Welcome to the Painesville Assembly of God podcast. We're always encouraged to know God is working through this ministry to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending us an email at info at Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Well, welcome today. We're in our Rediscover Christmas series, and uh, today we're going to be delving back into that as we talk about what it means and what Christ brings us uh, this Christmas, what His coming meant. And uh, so let me just start with a story today. Uh, there were two farmers, and, uh, and they were neighbors. Uh, they, were, they were older, and uh, they happened to have a feud that had been running for many, many years. They hadn't spoken during that entire time frame. And you say, well, what was the feud all about? Well, it was something that happened over a cat. There was this cat that was in the neighborhood, and it went between these two farmers' houses, and each one of them fed the cat, and then each one of them claimed that the cat was theirs, and they got into a big argument over this stray cat that they were feeding that it led to a disagreement where they just stopped talking. They stopped, they stopped getting to know each other. They stopped talking. They stopped being friendly. And then one day, it got so bad that the one farmer said, you know what? I need to divide our land. So he took, and, and he, he went and, and, and dug a big ditch and re routed water along the property line and said, now you can't get over here and I won't get over there and this is where we are. Well, the other farmer, he said he got upset too and one day there was a carpenter who came to town and he happened to be looking for work and so uh, the farmer said, you know what, I got something that you can do. My neighbor, he built this ditch and I don't even want to see him, so can you build me a fence? And he said, well, I think I can do that. And so uh, he said, there's some wood in my shed. And the, the carpenter said, well, that's not going to be enough wood. And so the, the farmer said, well, let me go to town and I'll get some more. And so he headed on into town. And while he headed on into town, the carpenter got to work with the wood that was there in the shed. And when that farmer came back from, from going to, to get the extra wood, as he was driving down the road, he was looking and expected to see this big fence being started, but instead he saw something different. He saw a bridge that had been built over the creek that, that had been created. And he said, well, what is he doing? And so he went to head towards that bridge and he was going to give that carpenter a piece of his mind when all of a sudden his neighbor started walking towards that bridge, a big grin on his face, and he said, man, you're brave. I didn't think you'd ever want to hear my voice again. I, I didn't think you'd want to do that. And he began to go over the bridge and he put out his hand to shake the, the other farmer's hand and the other farmer was so caught off guard that he found himself reaching out his hand and shaking hands and he said, well, it was your cat anyway, I knew it all along. That, that little funny story illustration comes from a, a song by the name of David Wilcox. It's actually the beginning story that he uses to introduce a song called Fearless Love, and the chorus of that song says, Fearless Love Makes You Cross the Border. Fearless Love Makes You Cross the Border. And friends, that's what Jesus Christ embodies at Christmas. Jesus Christ came to bridge the gap. He came so that we might understand God's love and bridge the gap between us and God. That's why Jesus came. That's why 
we celebrate Christmas. A recap of what we're looking at, we're celebrating Advent, and Advent means coming. Advent means expectation. Advent means arrival or anticipation. And so what we celebrate is remembering back to that first Advent when they were awaiting the prophesied Messiah. There were prophecies throughout the Old Testament that said that a Messiah was going to be coming. And they were waiting and they were anticipating that arrival. And so when we celebrate Advent, we're remembering that first waiting and we also remember how God fulfilled His promise. God did what He said He would do when He sent Jesus Christ. And so Advent connects the past, but it also here in the present connects us with a future waiting as Jesus has promised to come back again. Jesus promised that he would return, that he would come back again. And if God fulfilled his first promise here at Advent, we remember that Christ is coming again. It helps us to remember that return. And so Advent represented God's love. It represented God's hope that we talked about the first week, God's peace that we looked at the second week, God's joy that we looked at last week that He wants to bring. And then today we're going to take a look at the love of God that He offers us through Jesus Christ. Now, a verse that most of us remember or, or know that expresses God's love is John 3, 16, which simply says this, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You may not know it, but that is a Christmas passage because that is a reminder of what God gives to us, that God gives to us his one and only son and, and, and out of his love for us that he so loved the world. So today as we take a look at another passage of Scripture found in the Gospels surrounding Christmas, we're going to take a look at love, at the love of God that built a bridge to you and I. In Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18. It says this, and this is how the birth of the Messiah came about. It said, his mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had a mind to divorce her quietly. That's very important. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She'll give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save, my, he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. Now, as you can imagine, I'm pretty sure that the news of Mary's pregnancy shook Joseph. It probably caught him by surprise. I can imagine that, that here he is, he's pledged to be married to Mary, and he finds out that, that she is with child and, and that she's pregnant, and, and there's a story that surrounds it, that, that an angel visited her and that she's pregnant. What's conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know about you, but I've had a hard, I would have a hard time with that. And Joseph was probably hurt. Joseph was probably confused. But there are some things that we see in this passage that lets us reflect the love that Joseph demonstrated towards Mary and the kind of guy that he was. For it says that Joseph was a righteous man. He, he sought to do what was right according to the law. Joseph sought to do what was right according to the law. But not only that, but he was also a loving person because we see that he didn't want to expose Mary to public disgrace. 
Joseph would have had everything within his power in that day and age. He could have publicly put her before everybody and said, she cheated on me. She's an adulterous woman. She deserves to be stoned. He could have publicly disgraced her, which would have, in fact, exonerated his own reputation. But Joseph wasn't that kind of person. He was somebody that wanted to follow the law, but he was somebody that also wanted to protect Mary, whom he loves. How many of you know 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says that love protects? Love protects. Love protects. And, and that's what we see demonstrated with Joseph is a love that protects. Something else that we see in Joseph is he's somebody that takes time to make a decision. He wasn't somebody that was impulsive. Oftentimes, if you hear news like this, you impulsively want to do something. Impulsively, you, you're, you're ready to, to just react. But it says that Joseph was considering these things. In fact, it says, as he considered this, and in that time of considering, that's when the angel had visited him and said, do not be afraid. What is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, she's telling the truth. And what we learn oftentimes in our lives is that when we really love someone, oftentimes we we can't jump to conclusions. You need to consider and give the benefit of the doubt. How many of you know sometimes there's more to the story? There's more to the story. So we see right in the beginning a few things that have to do with love, but where we really want to get into today and take a look at love is in the names that were given to Jesus. And one of the ones that it talked about was the prophet said that you will give him the name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. What does that mean? Well, you see, what it means is is that God did not remain apart from us, but rather he gave his one and only son, Jesus. He so loved the world that love came near. Love came near. Christmas is a reminder that love came near, that Jesus came near, that he didn't stay away. And we find that God's love is revealed in three ways through Jesus coming near. First, Jesus came near so that we could see God's face. Jesus came near so that we could see God's face. Later on, Jesus would tell one of his disciples, Philip, in John chapter 14, 9, he says, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Understand that when Jesus came near and put on flesh and blood, it was so that you and I could begin to see the very character and the very nature and ultimately the very face of God. In fact, I love the way that the message puts it. It says this in John 1.14, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. I just love that. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood, talking about Jesus Christ. And it says, we saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. Remember what we said, God so loved the world, right? So loved the world. How do we know that love? We know that love in Jesus Christ because when Jesus Christ came like father, like son, rather than standing afar, rather than staying apart, rather than letting sin continue to divide, Jesus Christ decided to come and, and to, to, to this place and put on flesh and blood so that we might see the very face of God. 
Philippians puts it this way in Philippians 2, starting in verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but rather he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross." Let me just say something here. Jesus Christ is fully God. Jesus did not get his beginning. Jesus didn't start, didn't begin life and conception when he was conceived by the Holy Spirit in Mary's womb. That's not when Jesus began. In fact, John chapter 1 and verse 1 said that the Word was with God and the Word was God. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. Jesus has always existed. He was fully God. Where he was is right there in heaven with the Father. Jesus was there in the very glory. Yet what Philippians tells us and what we see here is that Jesus stepped down from glory stepped down from heaven and became obedient to take on flesh and blood he became obedient to allow himself to be in the womb and to put on flesh and blood in fact I love the way one writer I couldn't find who exactly was the author of this put it but I love it it's powerful before Jesus humbled himself to the cross he humbled himself to the womb before he was obedient to death He was obedient to birth. Man, isn't that powerful? Some of you need to get excited. I don't know where we're at here. Why? Why would he do that? Because he loved us. And he wanted to reveal to us the very face of God, the intimacy of God. In 1836, King Edward VIII shocked the world when he gave up his throne to marry Miss Wallace Simpson. She was a divorced American woman and the British government would not, uh, would not recognize that union or that marriage or that relationship. So this popular king gave up his very throne that he might marry the very one he loved. We see these kinds of things in Hallmark movies. You're watching around Christmas. These are the kinds of things that you see. But let me tell you, why do those things resonate with us? Because something inside of us resonates because this is what Jesus Christ did for us. This is what he did for us. He gave up his throne. He gave up his place so that he might come and demonstrate his love towards us. In fact, the love of God coming near is revealed in Luke chapter 15 in three different parables that we see, three different stories. And it says this in this word picture that God is like a shepherd who has a hundred sheep but discovers that one of them has been lost, one of them has wandered away, and he leaves behind the 99 to go after the one. That's the love that God has for you and I. In fact, a second word picture is of a woman who lost a precious coin, and the precious coin was not so much about its retail value as much as its relational value. You see, much like wedding rings today, this coin had a symbol of commitment and connectedness, and so what did she do when she had lost that precious coin that was so important to her? She turned the house upside down so that she could find it, and when she found it, she celebrated with everyone that she had found her lost coin. And the final story that we love is of a a father who had two sons and he had a younger son that was rebellious that decided that he wanted his inheritance and he was going to leave insulting his father and wasting his trust fund. But when he finally came to his senses and decided that he was going to return home rather than condemnation, what he found was a father who welcomed him 
rather than rebuke. What he found was restoration. And these are the pictures that we get about who God is. This is the face of God revealed in Jesus Christ who gave up heaven to bridge the gap for us. The second way that Jesus came near is so that we could know God's favor. So that we could know God's favor. Jesus, one day when he was older, walked into the temple and he began to open, open up the scriptures and he began to read from the Old Testament. He chose this passage about himself. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has appointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the downtrodden will be freed from their oppressors and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. God's favor, it's his blessings. It's his fullness, it's his provision, it's his abundance. How many remember being on the playground and there were two people that were the team captains and they'd line everybody up and one by one the team captains would go back and forth and they would pick, I want this person on my team and I want this person on my team. Well, if you were like me in, in middle school, an awkward middle school student that you know nobody thought was very athletic and didn't want to do it, you were always pick last, that was me. In fact, you weren't even really picked last. It was just kind of came down to, it was between you and somebody else, and they said, well, all right, you take that one, I'll take this one. It wasn't even being, being picked. You know, how many have ever faced that before? Let me tell you something about the love of God. God demonstrated his love because God says, I pick you. I want to demonstrate my favor to you. I, I pick you. You might not be other people's first choice, but you're God's choice. God says, I want you on my team. I want you on my team, the winning team. I want you on my team. In fact, that's when it comes to the Christmas story, that's some of the things that we, we see revealed. You see, when Jesus came and he said, you know what, I'm going to pick some people to demonstrate my favor to, and I'm going to pick some people to reveal myself and my promise over many years during that advent of arrival. I'm going to pick some people. Jesus, uh, God didn't pick the, the most likely people. He picked the most unlikely people. He picked the most unlikely people. In fact, if you take a look at Mary and Joseph, they were very poor. They were a very poor young couple from an unknown village in a place called Nazareth. Nobody would have considered them to be anything. They were poor. They didn't have much to offer. They didn't have any, any kind of highlights. There, there was nothing important about them. When he chose to reveal those that would witness the birth, he chose shepherds. Shepherds were those that just happened to be outside uh, and, and taking care of the sheep. They were stinky. They were the people that if they had to give a, a witness in court, if they had to be a witness called in to testify in court, their testimony wouldn't even stand up. Yet they were the very ones that went out and proclaimed what they saw. And Jesus chose them to be the witnesses. Jesus told, decided he was going to choose Magi from the east to be able to come. Magi were Gentiles. They weren't even of Jewish descent. He didn't choose the Pharisees. He didn't choose the religious leaders. He didn't choose the kings. He didn't choose the people in palaces. He didn't choose the priests. Jesus chose the most unlikely people to reveal himself. And what that shows us is that when Jesus comes, he says, I pick you. You may feel as if you're unlikely. You may feel as if you're somebody that, that doesn't measure up. You're somebody that has too much in your past you're somebody that doesn't have a whole lot but Jesus says I pick you I want to reveal myself to you I've come for you that's why he's come reminds me of a story of a, a little boy who really wanted a puppy anybody's kids ask for a puppy for Christmas 
This little boy wanted a puppy so bad, and he heard about a, a, a farm and a farmer that had a, a, a litter of puppies, and, and so he went to see if he could get one. And so he goes over, and he says to the farmer, Mr., I hear you have some puppies. I want a puppy. Can I buy one of your puppies? And the farmer says, well, they, they come from good stock. They come from good parents. They're very expensive. And the little boy kind of put his head down a moment and reached into his pocket and pulled out about 39 cents. And he says, well, I got about 39 cents. Will this, give me, will this allow me to even be able to see them? And the farmer kind of wiped the sweat off the back of his neck and said, sure. And he whistled and he goes, hey, Dolly. Coming out of the little doghouse down the ramp was, was Dolly coming towards the fence. And behind her were these four little puff balls, these four little fur balls as they came waddling out. So cute. And the boy gets right up to the chain lick fence and he, he begins to look in and he's watching. All of a sudden he hears something still in the doghouse rattling around. And out comes sliding down the little ramp and kind of hobbling along is one more of these little fur balls. And, and the little boy, as he sees it, he goes, I want that one. That's the one I want. And the farmer pointed, he goes, oh, son, gets down on his knee. You don't want that puppy. That puppy can't run and play. It's not like the other puppies. He's not going to be able to run and play with you. And at that point, the little boy stepped back from the fence, and he reached down and began rolling up his pant leg. And what it revealed is two braces, metal braces that were attached to a specially made shoe. And the little boy said this. He said, you see, sir? I don't run too well myself, and he's going to need someone who understands. Oh, isn't that nice? Oh. But you know what? The Bible tells us that's what Jesus did for us. In fact, in, in Hebrews chapter 4, starting in verse 15, for we don't have a high priest who is unable to emphasize with our weaknesses, but one who is tempted in every way just as we are, yet did not sin. Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. See, that's what Jesus did for us. Jesus says, listen, you don't have to be perfect. We know you got weaknesses, you limp along, but guess what? I know what that's like. You know what? You got pain, you got hurt. Guess what? I know what that's like. I'm able to empathize with your weakness. Why? Because I put on flesh and blood. I didn't stay in heaven in a perfect place and a perfect thing, but I put on flesh and blood so that I could experience what you experience. Well, what are the kinds of things that Jesus experienced? Well, let's just talk about it for a moment. Jesus knew what it was to have people whisper about him. You know, later on in his life, one of the things that they would say is, isn't this Mary's son? You say, well, what's so bad about that? Well, in that day and age, when they would say something, they would say, isn't this the father's son. They would mention the father's name. But in this case, they said, isn't this Mary's son? You know what that says? You're illegitimate. We don't even know who your father is. We don't even know who your father is. Are you struggling because maybe, maybe you don't have a great relationship with your dad or your parents or those kind of things? Listen, Jesus understands when people begin to talk. Jesus understands guilt. Jesus understands that shaming that people try to do. Jesus understands pain. You ever been betrayed by a friend? You ever had somebody that betrayed you, somebody that let you down, somebody you're close to? Guess what? Jesus experienced that. You ever do something nice for somebody and they don't return any kind of thanks, they're not even grateful? Jesus experienced that. He knows what that's like. Jesus knows what it's like to be hungry. Jesus knows what it's like to be tired. Jesus knows what it's like to experience pain. See, he put on flesh and blood. He put on flesh and blood. And when he did that, he said, listen, because I, I, I empathize with you. 
I'm building a bridge to you because I want to show you my favor. I want to show you my favor. Listen to Psalm 34, 18. The message puts it this way. If your heart is broken, you'll find God right there. If you're kicked in the gut, he'll help you catch your breath. 2 Corinthians 1, 4, I love it. It says, he comes alongside us when we go through hard times. And before you know it, he brings us alongside someone else who's going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. Friends, that's his love. That's his favor. That Jesus says, I know what you experience. I know the things that you go through. And you know what? I have come to demonstrate and let you know I love you. Not only does God want to reveal his, the, God's face to us, when Jesus coming, did he want to reveal the very face of God and the very favor of God, but thirdly, Jesus came near so that we can know God's forgiveness, so that we can know his forgiveness. Going back to Matthew chapter 121, let's look at the other name that, 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 that Joseph was told to name Jesus. He said, you will give birth to a son, or she will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. I know we don't like to talk about sin, but sin really is the problem. Sin really is the problem. There is a holy God, and there is a righteous standard, but there is a problem, and that is a sin problem. And you say, well, that was Adam's problem. Adam had a sin problem. No, the Bible says that all of us have a sin problem. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of God's glory, the glory of God. You know what happens? Our sin separates us from God. That's the problem. Our sin has separated us from God. But just like the story that we told in the beginning of the two farmers that had a problem, there was a carpenter that built a bridge. Well, Jesus, the son of a carpenter, has come to build a bridge so that we might receive forgiveness of sin. Isaiah 59.2 says, your sins are the roadblock between you and your God. That's why he doesn't answer your prayer and you don't see his face. Jesus came to build that bridge to offer forgiveness of sin through his own shed blood on a cross so that we can have the face of God revealed, the, the favor of God given to us and over our lives, and we might receive the forgiveness of God. 1 John 1, 9 says, this is how God showed love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him, that we might live through him. You see, that's what Christmas reminds us of, that we need a Savior. We open with that song, that we need a Savior. We have a Savior. That's what we worship, a Savior from what? A Savior from what? A Savior from the sin that separates us from God. A Savior that separates us from spending eternity with Christ. A Savior that allows us to experience forgiveness of sin rather than the wages of sin, which is death. That is what we have in Jesus Christ. Please know that Jesus is on your side. We read earlier, John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. But let me tell you, there's a verse that follows that that is oh so important. God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save it. God hasn't come to condemn you. He didn't come to, there's a lot of misconceptions about God. There's a lot of misconceptions that God is just there to punish you. He's waiting for you to mess up and punish you and slap you and provoke you to, to do something and then just punish you when you do. There's a lot of people that believe that that's the, kind of, that's the kind of God that they serve. Why? Because when we begin to draw near to God, oftentimes our guilt gets in the way. Our shame gets in the way. Our fear gets in the way. And we think, man, if I get close to God, he's going to scold me. He's going to see all the things, that, all the bad stuff and tell me all the bad stuff that I've done. 
But the Bible says God didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save it. He didn't come to scold you. He came to save you. And the good news is it's not only with you. It's with everyone. He says, I've come to love you. I'm for you. I'm for you. You know, one of the things that oftentimes keeps us from God is that fear. Fear. Well, you know, God's going to condemn me or God's going to punish me or God's going to be angry with me. And fear gets in the way. But do you know what one of the things that is said most often when, when God visits someone, when God speaks to someone, you know one of the first things out of the mouth, whether it's an angel or a messenger or whatever it is in the Bible, you know what one of the first phrases is almost all the time? Don't be afraid. Do you know there's 366, don't be afraid, do not fear in the Bible. One for every day of the year and even leap year. God doesn't leave anything out. He doesn't leave anything out. He says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Why? Because I love you. Because I'm with you. Because I'm for you. Emmanuel, God with us. And I'm for you. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5. But because of his great love for us, God who is, look at this, rich in what? What's he rich in? Condemnation? No, rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even though we were dead in our transgressions. Transgressions, another way of saying sins. It is by grace that you have been saved. Not only there, Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners... What happened? Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to get cleaned up. He didn't wait for us to get it right. He didn't wait for us to be perfect. He didn't wait for us to be righteous. While we were yet sinners, he died for us. Romans 8.31, what then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? Friends, God is for you. God is for you. God is not against you. God is not looking to condemn you. What Christmas is all about is that God decided, you know what? The law was unable to do. It, all it did was just show how holy I am, but it could not save. And you know what? Man couldn't follow the law. We couldn't be good enough. We couldn't earn it. We couldn't do it. So guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to send a Savior. I'm going to send my son. I'm not just sending anybody. I'm sending my son. And Jesus said, you know what? I'm willing to be humble. Not only humble in death, but humble in birth. Not only humble to a cross and a tomb, but humble to the womb. <laughs> so that I can demonstrate and show you God's love. I want to show you the face of my Father that loves you. I want to show you the favor that my Father wants to bestow upon you. I want to I reveal to you the forgiveness that is available. I want to build a bridge. That's what Christmas is all about, that Jesus came to build a bridge, not a wall. He's come to build a bridge so that you and I can begin to cross over and we can experience the face and the favor and the forgiveness of God. That's why he's come. Friends, I want to just invite you to worship with us. I'm going to invite the worship team to come. Remember, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Corey Ten Boom said it this way. I love it. Who can add to Christmas? The perfect motive is that God so loved the world. The perfect gift is that he gave his one and only son. The only requirement is to believe in him. The reward of faith is so that you shall have eternal life. That is the gift of Christmas. So friends, do you need to receive the love of Christ today? Do you need to receive the forgiveness 
that Christ offers today. He wants to invite you near and he wants to reveal to you his face and his favor today. And all we simply need to do is say, Jesus, I believe. I believe in you. I put my faith in you. I come before you humbly and I admit that I'm a sinner and I have been separated from you. But today, today I'm asking for your forgiveness. Tear down the wall and build a bridge because I want to receive the love that God is offering to me today. To me today. So do you need to receive Christ today? If you're watching online, do you need to receive Christ today? Do you need to receive the love of Christ today? Do you need his forgiveness today? Do you need the forgiveness today? I just want to invite you right now, if you say, you know what, I need the forgiveness of Christ today in my life. I need to receive Christ as my Savior today. If you're here in person, will you slip up your hand and say, Pastor, will you pray for me? I need to receive Christ today. Will you pray with me? I need to receive Christ. Anybody at all? If you're watching online, amen, thank you. Watching online, put it in the comments right now. I want to receive Christ today. Come on, let us know. If you don't want to put it in the comments, email us, info at PainesvilleAG.com. Come on. I need to receive Christ today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Secondly, if you're here and you say, you know what? I'm just struggling. I'm hurting and I'm struggling and I just, I need to receive the love of Jesus. I need to experience, I need his presence. I need his love. I just need to experience his love this Christmas. If that's you today, will you slip up your hand? You're watching online. Let us know. Say, pray for me. Pray for me. I need his love. I need to experience his love. Yeah. Come on, let's pray together. And if you raise your hand to receive Christ, will you just pray with me today? Let's just invite Christ today to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us today and come into our lives. Will you just pray with me today? Dear Jesus, I thank you today that you came to demonstrate love to me. I admit today that I'm a sinner. I admit today that I need a Savior. And I ask you today to forgive me of my sin, to come into my life, and to make me new. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me clean. I believe in you. I trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, I just pray right now for those that just need to experience your love this Christmas. Father, the hurt, the pain, you're, a high, you're our great high priest who's able to sympathize in every way, empathize in every way with our weaknesses, and you invite us to come and experience your grace and mercy and, and your forgiveness today. I just pray, Lord, that we would experience your love today. Father, we thank you and bless you in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you are encouraged and strengthened by God's Word. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, please visit PainesvilleAG.com.